Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Tales to Terrify, part of the District of Wonders network. Featuring Starship Sofa and Far-Fetched Fables, everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. Good evening, children of the night. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, I sponsored the Nicolas Cage film Mandy, in the name of our podcast. I went into Mandy without knowing much about it at all, and I left without knowing much more. It's a horror film, no doubt about it. It involves a strange demon-summoning cult. I feel like whatever class Clive Barker's Cenobites graduated from, Mandy's demons dropped out of that class and got whatever work they can. I enjoyed the movie, and I recommend it, but one reviewer remarked that it's not a good movie, but it's a cool movie, and I think that about sums it up. The style of the movie is cool. Nick Cage gives a strange performance that fits the movie perfectly. I'm happy that it was the one that we sponsored this year. I had anticipated coming back from that movie weekend with a fistful of spooky movies to tell you all about, but Mandy was about it. There was one other that probably isn't per se, horror, but because it involves a zombie apocalypse and people being eaten by the cannibalistic undead, it makes a cut. The name of the movie is Anna and the Apocalypse. It is a Scottish high school musical Christmas zombie movie. Yes, you heard me right. And when this movie was described to me just before the house lights went down, I anticipated losing a couple hours of my life to a very dumb movie. But by the end of it, it was one of my favorites for the whole weekend. It's a very fun movie, it keeps its plot moving, and all of its characters are colorful, and sometimes surprisingly complex. Anna and the Apocalypse. Find it and watch it. It has a November wide release date in the UK. Orion has distribution rights in North America with no known release date currently. So, stay tuned for that.
Let's hear a bit of fiction. We have one story for you this evening from author Sam Schreiber. Sam Schreiber is a writer living in Brooklyn, New York. His work appears in such markets as Vestarian, a literary journal, Analog, Science Fiction, and Fact, and Occult Detectives Quarterly. He is also one of the editors and hosts for the Kaleidocast, a speculative audio fiction magazine featuring stories from authors like Carlos Hernandez, S.A. Chakrabadi, and N.K. Jemison. currently in its second season. Check out the Kaleidocast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever podcasts are sold. Uh, make that downloaded anyway. Follow Sam at Ozymandias and the Kaleidocast at Kaleidocast underscore NYC links will be in the show notes. Lend me your ears, children of the night, for Sam Schreiber's Four Legs Good, Eight Legs Better, a Tales to Terrify original. in the trough every twelve hours. Not that you were counting, or knew. You did have some vestigial instinct, suggesting the rising and setting of a theoretical sun. As points of reference in the factory went, slop was the most reliable. Sewage was flushed away when the moat you and the others relieved yourselves into reached capacity. Fresh water filled the pool you drank from when its level dropped low enough. And of course, the metal gates cordoning you and the others into your pen rose every two weeks. As points of reference in the factory went, the grates were your least favourite. Klaxons blared from the ceiling whenever they rose, and the sound was painful enough to drive you and your companions into the tunnels that led nowhere but back to your pens. At least, those of you who could squeeze into them. Those who could not squealed their frustration but could do nothing. At some point, you began to realise you never saw those who remained again. You racked your brain, formulating theories like the troughs, the moat and the pool the factory floor itself seemed to reach a sort of limit. It came when the snorting of your companions became snarling, when hooves scraped the floor and tusks were bared. That was when the grates rose, a tighter and tighter fit each time. Of course, the day eventually came when the klaxons rang, the grates slid open, 
and you could not fit through, no matter how you squirmed. Smaller, angrier bodies butted up against your rump and nipped at your hind legs, forcing you aside. You raced along the circumference of the factory floor in search of a larger tunnel. In a moment of epiphany, you understood. It was your own body that had changed, not the entrances themselves. In fact, you were now as large as any of your factory mates had ever been. The thought sent a chill down your spine. Suddenly, it was more urgent than ever that you escape the klaxons, but there was no way out. Pain erupted from your side as one of your factory mates, a good-sized female with prominent tusks, ploughed into your side and sent you reeling. Others roared impotently up at the ceiling as the klaxons grew louder. The same male that charged you attempted to gore a larger female, only to find himself knocked unceremoniously into the moat. He rolled over, shook excrement from his hide and hopped back onto the factory floor. But your eyes remained on the moat, the moat that was deep enough and wide enough to hold thousands of gallons of waste, the moat that had recently been emptied. You realised your error. There was a way off the factory floor. You scrambled to your feet and leapt over the lip of the moat. The stench was as powerful, but it was nothing in the face of your sheer animal terror. Droplets of filth splattered as you galloped towards the opening at the end of the moat. It was protected by a grill, of course, flimsily screwed in place. No match your frantic and not inconsiderable heft. The klaxons grew louder as you squeezed into the pipeline, then slid along its basin. By the time you started to wonder if you'd made a mistake, your body flew out into empty space. For long moments you fell. Exhilaration and terror flooded your body as some part of you surmised the fall would be fatal. And it would have been, had there been solid ground waiting beneath you. Instead, you plunged headfirst into a rollicking river of sewage, wailing and spluttering as the current carried you on. It took all your strength to keep your snout and eyes above the surface. Minutes passed in complete darkness. Then ripples of orange and scarlet light began to appear on the slick brown surface of the river. Soon, a golden sky appeared on the horizon, streaked with clouds, a dirty shade of burgundy. The current grew stronger as the end of the tunnel drew nearer. Then you felt solid ground beneath your hooves. You half swam, half hopped toward the bank of the river the sewage growing shallow along your hocks before you finally climbed onto solid stone. The tunnel somewhat resembled those you'd explored up until too recently. But the sight of the sky, the feeling of open air, these were alien sensations. Even the sewage couldn't disguise the change in atmosphere. You trotted to the edge of the tunnel and looked down. The filthy brown river gushed into a body of green water below. Not a terribly reassuring distance, you considered, scraping your hoof anxiously. But 
You had managed to survive the fall into the river in the first place, hadn't you? He glanced over your shoulder. It was possible the tunnel led elsewhere, maybe even back to the factory floor. But returning into the stinking blackness was unthinkable. You leaned over the edge again, sending dry dirt and pebbles down into the water. I wouldn't recommend that, I said. You may survive the fall, but there are unpleasant things beneath the surface that wouldn't hesitate to make a meal of you. You whirled around, searching for the source of the words that were not a sound, not a sight, not a smell, but something very much like your own thoughts somewhere in the back of your mind. For the very first time, you began to consider the concept of language. Besides, I added, where would you go? And that, my dear friend, was when you turned my world on its head. What are you? you asked. Then, with a fresh sense of dread, where are you? It took me a moment to realise you had put your thoughts into snorting, snuffling noises. On their own, I couldn't have made sense of them. It was the crackle of neurons in your brain, clear as a whistle against my trichobothria, that provided the context I needed. Most organisms on this moon have evolved to mask the telltale electrochemical signals of their body. A necessary adaptation on account of my own kind. But accordingly, we have grown ever more electromagnetically perceptive, an arms race playing out over eons. The thoughts of your kind, though, and those of your masters, they rang out clear and strong. I do not wish to frighten you, I said. It was the truth, after a fashion. I hadn't intended you to see me at all, nor expected you to answer me when I spoke. You squinted, attempting to focus your eyes. My body, large and graceful, stirred in the shadows. A semicircle of orbs glowed bioluminescent green. I have seen my own image before reflected in the minds of my prey. I know what I must have looked like to you. Are you like the unpleasant things from the water? You asked. I am not, I said dryly. I eat the unpleasant things in the water. You were profoundly unreassured, but you pressed on. Do you have a name? I considered the question. I was familiar with the concept. I was surprised to find that you were. The minds from which I learned of names and titles, subjects and verbs, astronomy and computer science, they had been those of your masters. I've never had one before. No one has ever asked, I said. And what of you? You remained silent for a moment. Then too. Milford, you finally said. My name is Milford. Or perhaps it was something more akin to... 
The memory accompanying the sound was of your factory mates, the noise they made when acknowledging your presence. Milford, I repeated, scaling the wall to take a better look at you, supporting my weight on my right forelegs and pulling myself higher with my left. A pleasure to make your acquaintance. What should I call you? you asked. If I have a name, it only seems right you should as well. Names are not something my kind have much use for, I confessed. My sister and I were far too preoccupied with escaping larger predators to hold any conversations where names would have been required. And then, well, we were the larger predators. Those of us who survived. And it's no good at all being a large predator in the company of other large predators. Very quickly, you find the only thing left to eat is one another. It sounds like you, you speak from experience, you said nervously. I prefer to dwell on other matters, I said. Yourself, for example. You're the first creature whose mind I've had the pleasure to encounter in quite some time. The animals in charge of this place are rarely in close enough proximity for me to read, let alone hold a conversation with. Although, I must admit, the memories I find in your mind are on the bleak side, if you don't mind me saying so. Oh, I get by, you said. They're slopped twice a day. Water, when I'm thirsty. Clay to roll in. Good company. There are alarms that go off every so often, but I'm sure they must have stopped by now. In fact, I really ought to be getting back. You trotted forward, daring to pass beneath me towards the tunnel, before hesitating. What, what did you mean? The animals in charge of the factory? you asked. Oh, I don't understand. Are they like the unpleasant things in the water? No, I answered unhappily, remembering what I'd seen during my time wandering the factory. I suppose they're something more like myself. They're big, like you? And closer to your size, I said, lowering my head to the same level as yours. And alike in other ways as well. Too many ways. Perhaps it would be more accurate to say they are very much like you. Why have I never seen them before, please? You said. Won't you tell me? I looked down at your face from my perch on the tunnel's ceiling. Your intelligence. Your bravery. It was almost more than I could take. Before you spoke to me, there had been only one way I believed your story could end. I was mistaken. I can show you, I said, reaching for your face with a single pedipalp. Before you knew what was happening, a cascade of images and sensations flooded your mind. Through green-tinted vision, you saw sewage pouring into a lake, 
smelled its richness. Blind triggerfish darted this way and that, drawn in by the enticing smell of excrement. Scaleless, finned monsters exploded up from the silt below, devouring the smaller fish above them. Then, faster than your mammal mind could comprehend, a razor-sharp appendage stabbed through the water. The fish, that had been feasting upon its own prey seconds earlier, wriggled helplessly, speared on the tip of the same pedipalp that now touched your skin. It hauled the fish up out of the water and into my waiting fangs, reflected grotesquely in its liquid black eyes. You screamed in terror, but the images continued. Furry beasts with naked tails and savage teeth scurried through the tunnels. Too small to make a proper meal, you felt me conclude, but intriguing nonetheless. Fish, I understood. How the strange-smelling manure attracted small ones, which attracted the larger ones. But rats? What could have attracted them? And what, you felt my ruthlessly imaginative brain ponder, might be feeding on the rats? I tiptoed after them, squeezing my body through the grates, separating the tunnels from the factory. The air, I noted, had a stagnant quality. You felt a tinge of claustrophobia, though I felt none of my own. On the contrary, I was excited. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The metallic smell of blood had begun to waft through the space around me. I was getting close to something...
the ceiling above me began to rattle. Unnatural blue light streamed through a slit in the ceiling. Light the same colour you remembered from the factory. I slipped my legs through the slit and hoisted myself through, then tilted my head in confusion. The smell of meat was tantalising. But something was very wrong. The rattling, I now understood, came from conveyor belts running on either side of me. Carcasses, harassed by buzzing flies, floated past at a leisurely pace. The odd rat found its way onto the belts, but bolted as adroit mechanical arms flipped the carcasses onto their backs, soared through their limbs, and pulled out their spines with a terrible rip. The crackle of nerves and thoughts intruded upon my mind. Animals, smaller than myself but much larger than the rats, were approaching. I scuttled back into the shadows. For a moment, I thought that the new animals, teetering impractically on two legs and draped in strange fabrics, were of a kind with those being dismembered by the machines. Genetically speaking, I wasn't completely mistaken. But no... The differences, while subtle, were pronounced. Fingers, not hooves. Noses, not snouts. Their gait would have been completely unmanageable for the animals whose bodies sat on the belt. It was quite impossible for you not to understand what you saw, what you smelled, what you knew. Stop, you sobbed tossing your head from side to side, as if to shake it all loose. Forgive me, Milford, I said, resting a tentative pedipalp on your shoulder. I know it must be painful to see. So many, you wept. There were so many. And more every day, I said. It is difficult to comprehend the scale of it even for a mind like mine. By my estimation, there are hundreds of thousands of you spread out across the factory. But why, you demanded, why would they feed us, water us? You have my memories, Milford. You know why. That's where the others go. Isn't it, you said, when the alarm rings, the ones who can't get out, they put them on the belt, tear them apart. I imagine so, I said, though I never saw for certain until now. Seeing the whole business through your eyes has been enlightening. Not at all like the others, in fact. I stopped. In my haste to comfort you, I had said more than I meant to. Others? you asked. They didn't have minds like yours, Milford. Your cognitive capacity is anomalous. Perhaps some sort of latent genetic variability due to the combination of different genomic sources, I said, borrowing words and concepts from the mental flotsam and jetsam of your masters then immediately regretted it. You narrowed your eyes. What 
are you saying? <laughs> the others escaped their enclosures quite on accident. They hadn't a hope of survival. They didn't even understand their own circumstances. Not like you do. You shook my pedipalp off your shoulder and squealed in rage. You ate them? You're a very special creature, Milford, I said. I haven't known you long, but I know enough not to eat me, you snarled. Not unless I had to, I admitted. I wouldn't want to lie to you, Milford. You deserve better than to be lied to. I hate you. You're as bad as them, you reared up on your hind legs, lowered your head and charged. I batted you to the side of the tunnel with a twitch of my foreleg. Something like guilt flooded my mind, but I pushed through it, placing a fraction of my weight on your back to hold you in place, a practised technique. I had to fight my instinct to take things further. I didn't bring your kind to an alien world, where you would never have the chance to feel the sun or breathe free air, I said. I didn't raise you from a whelp, simply to slaughter you billions of miles from any place you might have called home. You screamed and squirmed, but you were helpless to escape. Listen to me, Milford. I am a predator. I stalk my prey, catch them unaware, strike before they know they are in danger, and kill before they have the chance to fight back. Their weakness, their carelessness, it means my survival. I will never apologise for that. But what these animals are capable of, it's, it's trickery lower than my kind would ever stoop to. I did not know I felt the way I did until I gave voice to the thoughts that had been stirring in the corner of my mind until you drew them out. Only you could have done this, Milford. Only you were strong enough. Are you going to eat me? you asked, your snuffling voice and thoughts devoid of feeling. No. Then let me up. You should have let me take my chance with the fish, you huffed, rising onto all fours. They would have torn you to pieces. And what are they going to do to me? You jerked your head back to the tunnel. What will you do to me? You don't understand, Milford. Even if you had made it to the shore, where would you go? How would you live? The water is full of microorganisms that will sicken you. Your digestive tract will not break down local plant life. You wouldn't make it past sundown before some opportunistic carnivore, perhaps one of my own kind, snapped you up. That is the depths of your captor's depravity. Even freedom would mean death. I could survive. We could survive. Here in the factory, you said. There are walls. There is slop. We would be safe. The factory is where you are butchered. It is the very reason your captors built it in the first place. I know that, you snapped. They're the real problem, aren't they? The masters. I considered you with fresh eyes. Was it possible that the time your consciousness had spent swimming in the depths of my own had changed more than I had meant it to? 
Or was this burgeoning intelligence there all along, waiting for structure to latch onto? I have been giving the matter some thought. Their language, their culture. You would be amazed at the complexity of it all, Milford. Yet, for all of that, they are vulnerable. They kill us. They eat us. We've never even seen their faces, you spat. How can you say they're vulnerable? Because they have managed to forget a very fundamental fact, I said. You are many, and they are few. That has never helped us before, you said. No, not before, I said, arriving at a decision. But before. You didn't have me. Freeing the first of your factory mates was easy enough. The Prens were never truly designed to keep you cut off from the rest of the factory. Quite the opposite, in fact. Your captors were, if nothing else, efficiency-minded. Preparing for the revolt took only a little help on my part. Identifying the weak points in your enclosures, sabotaging the mechanisms holding them in place, that was my contribution, at least at first. Your friends panicked at the sight of me, pressing their bodies to the furthest edge of the factory floor in terror. Understandable, but they would find their bravery soon enough. When the time came, angry tusks tore at feeble bipedal bodies too shocked by the turn of events to protect themselves. By the time your captors realised what was happening, you had trampled dozens of them and set yourself to the task of opening more pens, squealing warnings of impending death and incitement to action. As for me, I sent the rats scurrying through the factory's offices with barely a nudge from my mind. They raced about, ferociously chewing whatever wires, insulation or flesh they came across. I danced across the high ceilings and pylons of the factory floor, supplementing your declarations with sights and smells of my own, spreading memories of fresh corpses and whirling blades far and wide among your rebels. They understood their meaning nearly as quickly as you had. Hundreds then thousands, then tens of thousands of you, rampaged with revolutionary zeal. As near as I could tell, it had never occurred to your masters to plan for such a turn of events. Of course, your insurrection couldn't continue unencumbered forever. Weapons were passed out among your masters. Battlements formed, choke points established. In your haste to finish them off, you discovered your master's defences to be more lethal than you could have imagined. Many of your numbers fell, clogging the hallways and loading bays with your bodies. But not you, my Milford. Though not for your lack of trying. You led the charge, heedless of what your death might have meant for your cause. If your masters had understood what you were, how indispensable you were to the salvation of your own kind, they would have singled you out and stopped at nothing to slaughter you. But of course to them, you were just one more snarling, snorting animal. Rebel flesh amongst rebel flesh. 
Still, your survival wasn't something I would leave to chance. The enemy offered little enough nourishment as I picked them off one by one behind their lines, all bones and gristle and skin. It had not occurred to me to predate upon them before. Frail though they were, they had seemed dangerous enough in their own right, and predators offer other predators a wide berth whenever possible. For you, though, I made an exception. And if the onslaught of your forces had not been sufficient to drive your captors from the factory, the sight of their companions hanging from support beams, trussed up and desiccated, and me lurking in the shadows, a thing of their nightmares, was enough to finish the job. And if they return, I asked some weeks later, as you tried to make sense of the granaries, the water pipelines, and other incidentals your captors had left behind. It was slow work, but you were beginning to understand how the digital schematics worked. It wouldn't be long, I surmised, before the task of making the factory operational again became feasible, whether by virtue of the genes you shared with your former masters, the time you spent in my mind, or your own miraculous erudition. You were proving quite the prodigy. Then we'll kill them again, you said, then turned away from your work to look into my eight eyes. You'll help, won't you? I will certainly try, I said, then frowned inwardly. But Milford, they come from very far away. Their memories are long. We must consider the possibility that by the time they return, you and I will both be gone. My kind is long-lived, but not immortal. We'll make sure the others remember, you said, jutting your snout forward determinedly. We'll tell the story of who they were, what they did, what we must do if they ever come back. <laughs> it's a fantastic tale, I mused. I was there, and even I struggled to believe it was real. And stories change over time. Their meaning change. Your offspring and mine may find it difficult to remember what we once held in common. You grunted. You assigned no words to your thoughts at that moment. You didn't need to. Your kind, some of your kind, would find their way into my kind's belly at some point or other. It was an inevitability. It was the bargain we'd agreed to, you and I, back when this all started, back that day in the tunnels. By the time the masters return, I fear the world they find may be quite transformed, I said, as diplomatically as I could. But surely we can try to hold on to this, to hold on to us? Yes, Milford. Surely, we can.
That was Sam Schreiber's Four Legs Good, Eight Legs Better, as read by Margaret Essex. Miss Essex hails from Australia. Thank you for everything that you do, Margaret, as always. That'll be our show for the evening, children of the night. Visit our Patreon page in the links below, and don't forget to like us on Apple Podcasts. Our show was produced by our editors, Scott Silk, Seth Williams, and Drew Sebastini. Website design by Josh Lightsey and theme music by Diane Severson. Tales of Terrify is distributed under Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 license. Join us again next week for another episode of Tales to Terrify. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network. Dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.